I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. The CAEH Training and Technical Assistance Program is a nonprofit consulting service with a mission to end homelessness. Their goal is to support and accelerate an end to homelessness by providing high quality, accessible, affordable, evidence based coaching, training, and technical assistance. Choose from established and proven trainings or have something tailored specifically to meet your needs. Visit training.caeh.ca to book your consultation or training today. Meet their dedicated and friendly trainers and find out how you can end homelessness in your community once and for all at training.caeh.ca. We at On The Way Home would like to acknowledge the original stewards of whose lands this podcast is recorded on. In York Region, we recognize we're on the traditional territories of the Wendat, the Haudenosaunee, and the Anishinaabe peoples, and that this is the treaty lands of the Mississaugas of the Credit. And in Vancouver, we acknowledge that we are on the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, the Musqueam, Squahomish, and Tsleil-Waututh, whose presence on these lands continue to this day. And let me tell you about some of the good stuff that is happening at Blue Door. My team, of course, is working really, really hard. We have a really cool social enterprise called Construct. And Construct, really what it is, is it is a construction company with a social purpose. So we do all the work that a normal construction company would do, renovations, that kind of thing. But we bring along, we train six to eight people over eight weeks. We pay them uh, to do the training. And then we launch them into the trades where they make a really good wage, a living wage. We're actually going to talk a little bit about that today. Uh, a living wage where they could actually afford to uh, pay full market rent. Uh, move forward with their lives is a preventative program in nature. It's really cool. Uh, there's a bunch of folks doing this type of thing across the nation. Uh, my friend Mark Silverano, who's been a guest on the podcast before with uh, Building Up, uh, does this, and um, many, many more. Uh, Brandon, community builders. We got our friends at Purpose Construction in Manitoba. It's an awesome program, and we're all part of the TradeWorks initiative that is run through the Home Depot Foundation. Um, who's doing incredible work. So very cool. So let's get to today's guest. I'm very excited. Listen, I, I'm i always looking around in the, in the sector thinking, who's doing something that's really innovative? And what, where's the leadership? What are people doing that uh, is really different? And we're, we have a guest today from FoodShare. Let me tell you about uh, Ellery from FoodShare. And then we're going to talk about some of their practices that are just so uh, innovative, and sector leading incredible stuff and i think and the hope is that everyone starts doing things similar because it's needed uh, in our sector every sector really so i have ellery uh rosin who's the people operations manager at food share toronto ellery sees food as a lens to highlight our similarities celebrate our differences and understand our values a view she developed while exploring local markets tasting new foods and participating in cultural exchange through sharing recipes over years of traveling and working in different places. As a people operations manager of Food Share Toronto, she works to advance organizational culture and values, which includes embedding food justice in all of their work, including training and hiring practices. And we're going to talk more about that as well. 
She aims to foster an environment where people are empowered and challenged to do their best work and where everyone can make a difference. Her background in international um, experiential education allows her to bring an inclusive, humble, and curious mindset to her work. Outside of work, I like this part here uh, very much. Outside of working at Flying Ellery Baking and eating sourdough bread, napping, baking lists to keep her life organized, and or putzing around her garden with a coffee in hand. Ellery, welcome Ellery. to the show. Thank you so much for having me. We, we start the show off usually with, a, with, well not usually, all the time we start the show with the same question, but we don't always get the same answer because it's a little different for everyone. And that question is, what does home mean to you? You know, I think we often have multiple homes and what feels like home can shift. Uh, what we associate with home varies, as you said, from person to person. Um, home to me is a place where you exhale when you arrive, where you feel like you don't have to go anywhere else, perhaps where the journey ends or where you can shed some of the keep it together, so to speak, that you may hold up when working or in other settings. Um, you know, I felt the feeling of home landing at certain airports, uh, walking into the house I grew up in, or getting back to my current rental apartment after a long day. So uh, to me, I think it boils down to a home is a place that provides comfort, relief, respite, and protection. Awesome. And very, very well said. Now, you're, I really loved your bio. Uh, it was great. Um, but want to understand your journey a little bit more. So maybe you could take us along the journey of um, into the work that you're doing now. How did you get to where you are now? Take us along the path, uh, ending where uh, you are at, at Food Share. Sure, yeah. Um, so I've always found myself most engaged when helping others navigate challenges, obstacles, or tasks. I remember being in fifth grade on the phone with a friend, talking them through their math homework or uh, spending mornings as a backpacking guide, bandaging people's blisters before a day of hiking. And, you know, those were the moments where I felt like I was on and I could do it forever. Um, when I was in university, I thought I wanted to be a doctor because that seemed like the obvious path to, quote, help people. Um, but as I got into the university pre-med courses, um, I found that I was not so drawn to that. Um, and at the same time, I, I began trip leading. I was leading backpacking and wilderness trips. Um, and I found that I was more drawn to working with people on the things that came up for them day to day. Um, so that sparked me to switch my major in university from pre-med to culture, health, and the environment. Um, and I continued working in outdoor and experiential education after graduating from university. Um, it was there that I was even more exposed to different ways of being, different ways of living, different ways of seeing the world. Um, and I loved thinking about how to structure a trip or a program to effectively bring people into a group, into an experience, and into the place where they were, so that they could feel safe enough, comfortable enough, and enough structure around them to be able to tolerate and embrace what was new, challenging, perhaps scary. Um, and so from leading programs, I, you know, noting that part that I liked, I moved into hiring the people who led the trips and training them. Um, and sort of doing that same thing, developing that sense of community within an organization, developing that sense of 
psychological safety and um, really understanding what motivates people, what stands in their way, um, both on the personal end and on the organizational side. Um, so that led to expanding roles in human resources and people operations, thinking about how to make work work for people. Um, and that can be on a systems level, structure level, policy level, or just an interpersonal level. Um, and that's, that's what I do now at Foodshare. Very cool. Thanks for walking us through that. And you ended with Foodshare, and that's where you are now. This is a wonderful, impactful organization. Can you tell us a little bit more about what is Foodshare? What does it do? Uh, what is its purpose? Absolutely. Yeah. So Foodshare is a food justice organization. Foodshare advocates for the right to food and working to challenge the systemic barriers that keep people from accessing the food they need to thrive. So we support community-led food initiatives and work alongside communities most affected by poverty and food insecurity. So that's black and indigenous people, people of color, people with disabilities, and folks living on low income. So whether it's supporting urban farms, subsidizing local produce markets, or coordinating community kitchens, all of our work is about folks accessing food on their own terms. We serve as a catalyst for long-term solutions in our food system that are rooted in principles of food justice and in partnership with local communities. And we envision a Toronto where all people can feed themselves, their loved ones, and their communities with dignity and joy. Yeah, impactful, impactful work. I love it. And I would imagine the last uh, two and a half years, uh, it's, it's the, the need for your services has uh, amplified even more so. We have seen, yeah, we've seen that. We've seen, um, I think, more, more awareness of the need for our services, perhaps more than an increase in need for our services, though I think both are true. Yeah, well put, well put, absolutely. Um, and it's, I think your, your uh, CEO or Executive Director Paul Taylor is often been quoted as saying, look, the solution to this is, is not more food banks or, or expanding that, but it really is the, you know, address some of the root causes of, of poverty that would allow people access to, to quality food. Uh, and so we want to talk about Foodshare as a impactful, amazing organization, what it does, uh, the impact it has on the community. But what I really, what intrigues me a lot about food share is how you operate. And I think the sector can learn so much because you've done, you've looked at it through a different lens. You're doing things a little differently. Um, you know, so, so like quite often we're working hard at the work we do for clients, uh, advocating or working on uh, improving food justice and access to property reduction and anti-oppression, but not so much for our own operations. We're not looking internally, right? Um, why is this so important to look internally and make sure all those things are applied? And can you talk a little bit about what you and Foodshare have done? Yeah, for sure. And I, I think the quotation you pulled from Paul Taylor, our executive director, hits that on the head. But um, we advocate for the right to food and work to challenge systemic barriers that keep people from accessing the food they need to thrive. And if we know that food security is tied to poverty reduction and anti-impression, then how can we, in good conscience, pay people below a living wage or use volunteers to do the work that we could be paying people to do? Two things I think we may get into later. Um, 
you know, how can we say that we're working to combat food insecurity if we're creating and perpetuating the circumstances of food insecurity, poverty, and oppression? So if we operate in Toronto while saying that our vision is a Toronto where all people can feed themselves, their loved ones, and their communities with dignity and joy, then our mandate is to our employees as much as it's to the people buying from our markets, receiving our food boxes, or attending our workshops. Absolutely. And well said. And I think quite often we forget that uh, in the sector we work in far too often. And I remember this was the case at Blue Door. So we made that correction as well to your we have people supporting people uh, living in poverty, making a wage before below the poverty line and, and not making a living wage. So, so how can you do that? And food shares is made sure that uh, isn't happening. You mentioned something as well. And I think quite often people will say, are you a volunteer based organization? Maybe we need more volunteers to help out. And volunteers are awesome and incredible and they, they make a world of difference. But, you know, and while they'll always be important in the work we do, FoodShare has taken a bit of a different approach. Can you speak to what you've done and the thought process around it? So at FoodShare, we've uh, decreased our dependency on volunteer work and instead focused that energy, that those resources on creating quality jobs that pay people for their labor. So as a general principle, if there's a task that needs to be done on an ongoing basis that could be filled by a paid position, then we try to hire for that position as opposed to meet that need through volunteering. As an organization focused on poverty reduction, we want to be sure we're creating quality jobs where we can. And now volunteering still has its place at FoodShare. Uh, like you said, volunteers are wonderful. It's a great opportunity for lots of people. It's a great structure. Um, but we want to make sure that we're not giving work to volunteers or relying on free labor when we could and feel we should be compensating people for work through dignified and paid jobs. Yeah, and I want, I want people to be clear on this. This is not anti-volunteer. We still need volunteers. But to Ellery's point there is, let's not replace paid positions with volunteer positions. Um, and and that, that's really the message uh, that, that I hear loud and clear. Let's talk a little bit about, right now we hear a lot in the sector around um, diversity, equity, inclusivity strategies. I've even heard it called Jedi with justice at uh, the beginning of that. Um, and so lots of organizations are talking about that and, and talking about being play, great places to work. That's what they want to do. FoodShare has had numerous innovative practices that make these statements very true, though. Can you speak to some of the changes and innovations you've taken to make this happen? So before I get into some of the specifics, I have a bit of a soapbox to get on about DEI strategies. <laughs> um, I think it's important that when we talk about DEI or JEDI or you can add uh, access in there. You can add plenty of other words that are really important. Uh, I think it's really important to mention that the E and the I need to come before the D. So I'll expand on that. Um, if your policies aren't equitable and your culture is not inclusive, it's not only the case that you'll have fewer diverse folks who will see your jobs, apply for them, make it through the selection process, and choose to work with you, but the diverse folks you do hire are more likely to experience harm and violence in your workplace. So it's no surprise then that retention of diversity becomes an issue. Um, now I totally understand that it's compelling to focus on diversity because it's often easier to measure than equity and inclusion. Uh, it's often more visible to funders, to board members, to the public. 
uh, than equity and inclusion, but it's really important that we start with equity and inclusion to reduce the chances that we're causing harm to the people we engage with. So we often hear people talk about how the voices at the table or the people in power don't represent the population in question, um, whatever that population is for you, li listener. Um, so this could mean that employees don't represent the demographics of the population engaging with the work. It could mean management doesn't represent the demographics of the staff. There's all sorts of iterations there. Um, and I think it's important to think about the widest population impacted by the work you do and then ask who from that population is not represented on your staff, in your management, on your board, etc. And from there, we can try to figure out why not. What are the barriers? And then we can address those. So we often talk about uh, building policies, systems, and culture that better represent everyone who is currently in an organization. But from this approach and what we do at FoodShare is we take that second step back and think about how we can better represent the needs of everyone we want to engage with the organization. Um, and that helps us create forward thinking policies, strategies, et cetera, that will serve us moving forward. And I think sometimes when we talk about DEI, we get a little bit stuck on trying to develop the perfect policy to address all issues in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, but I advocate for implementing change across all aspects of our work, uh, which means you can implement pieces as they're ready and that you can and should continue to iterate on those changes once you see how they work in practice and once you see what feedback you're getting. So these changes can be big, like increasing wages by 25% uh, for employees in the lower pay bands, something we did at FoodShare, uh, or smaller, like sending interview questions 48 hours before an interview to candidates, something else we've done. Um, so I, I also wanna mention you know, we're not perfect at FoodShare. We're not doing everything right. Um, I always appreciate the way we actively engage with DEI at FoodShare um, and are looking for ways to improve, are open to hearing uh, ideas. And, you know, the ideas, I'll, I'll outline some of the changes we have made at FoodShare and, and just want to point out that those have come from every level. Those have come from Paul Taylor, our executive director. They've come from our board. Um, and they've come from employees at every other pay band, they've come from volunteers, they've come from community. Um, so what have we done? Uh, we've taken a closer look at the language in our job posting to reduce gendered language, uh, to reduce qualifications that some populations have historically had more access to than others, uh, and that aren't actually required to succeed in a role. Um, we've added qualifications around lived experience with the issues we engage with, so in our case, poverty and food insecurity. Um, we conduct specific outreach to BIPOC-serving charities, nonprofits, organizations, and community groups when sharing food share jobs. We anonymize application materials before they go to hiring committee to reduce the impact of bias in the selection process. Uh, we ask each candidate the same questions in the same order, developing a scoring criteria, uh, and send interview questions in advance so that people who don't uh, process well in the moment are set up for success. Um, so those are all things we do before someone even starts at FoodShare. Um, what about when they start? 
We provide anti-racism training for staff and board members. Employees do an indigenous cultural awareness training during onboarding. Supervisors do a training about preventing discrimination based on mental health and addiction. Uh, we have various ways for folks with different identities to have their voices heard in a dignified and respected way, and also in a way that's comp compensated. So this is on work time. We have a Black Caucus, an Indigenous Advisory Circle, a Disability Task Force, a Body Liberation and Fat Acceptance Task Force. Um, each of these groups has their own terms of reference and the opportunity to influence policy at FoodShare. Um, we updated our land acknowledgement uh, maybe two years ago to include recognition of Black people who are not settlers but who were displaced as a result of slavery. Um, we've developed a policy that helps move people from fixed term contracts to indefinite contracts so that there's a default pathway towards more secure employment with better benefits. We collect race-based demographic data. Um, and there's, there's many more, which I'm happy to get into. Uh, but, but those are some of the pieces that we've, we've addressed at FoodShare. Yeah, I love it. I love what you said, hey, before you even start, we're going we're gonna to look at it this way. We're going to do all these things. Then when you start, we're going to do all these things. And it, and it does. It starts before even someone joins your team. I remember hearing about this and seeing this through social media that said food share was, was paying or reimbursing or paying or compensating people that come into interviews. And I think sometimes people will dismiss oh, either all the things you said. Oh, it's too much work. I don't have the time. We can't afford that. And, and when you really dig in, number one, you can't afford not to, right? But but the all these things aren't aren't super expensive to do, but they're really impactful, right? Yeah, and I think that sort of goes back to my comment about how you, DEI can be approached at so many levels and in so many ways. And so, you know, do what you can when you can. Say, you know, I don't know if we can implement. Uh, an interview pay policy until we do our next budget. But before then, we can do all these things. You know, sending interview questions in advance does not cost any money. That's nothing at all. That's right. And talk a little bit about why you do that, like sending them in advance because... Yeah, so it, uh, it really comes from the um, uh, trying to make food chair a more inclusive place for, for nerd, neurodivergent folks. Um, so folks who process at a different speed or in a different way um, than is maybe typical. Um, so for folks like that, you know, if you have 24, 48 hours to review an interview question and come up with a great answer, that's the answer we want to hear. Like in an, it, it sort of goes back to this question I often hear in recruitment is like, what are we testing for? What are we measuring? Um, you know, we're not trying to stump people. We're not trying to see how they do under pressure. If that's not part of the job we're hiring for, if the job we're hiring for requires that they know what to do in this situation, which is not a high pressure situation, then there's no reason they need to answer that question on the spot. If in their work, an issue would come in and they'd have a day to think about it, then why not give them a day to think about it? in the interview and then we get a more realistic picture of how they would do their job. Um, and this goes back to a principle I heard about actually in, in a presentation someone at FoodShare gave a couple years ago. Um, I forget, I should be citing the person, but I don't remember uh, 
who came up with this theory, but it's the curb cut effect, which is if you design things for the people with the most barriers, it is good for everybody. So if you cut a curb for people with wheelchairs, that actually helps people with strollers, people on crutches, uh, people who are sore, you know, all sorts of people benefit when we think about those most impacted in our design. And so this is an example of that. I, I just, I love how even when you're talking about, you know, why are we opposing the same interview strategy on everyone when it's not even a part of their job, right? Like that, the ability to have to think on your feet and write under pressure if someone throws something at you. You know, if you're, for many of the jobs in the social sector, doesn't apply. So I love that kind of thinking of just thinking a little harder about um, why we do things and challenging that and changing it if it doesn't make sense. And FoodShare has definitely done that. And let's talk about one of the big things you've done. Um, we talked about this a little, we touched on it already. We talked about our sectors, unfortunately, a little infamous for not paying a living wage. And of course, most of the people in our sector are trying to, to help our most vulnerable who would not make a living wage. Um, but food share is one of those exceptions. Talk, walk, to, walk us a little through that journey of how you got there. Um, what is your policy around a living wage? Why is it important? What are some of the other pieces around wages that you've implemented? So, you know, I mentioned this before, but at its core, food share works to challenge systemic barriers that keep people from accessing the food they need to thrive. These barriers include poverty, systems of oppression, white supremacy, and capitalism. We understand that access to money, to stable and dignified employment, is a powerful way to address food insecurity. Our advocacy addresses poverty reduction, and so do our internal policies. So at FoodShare, we believe no one should be living in poverty or experiencing food insecurity. Uh, this commitment to a living wage for all staff is an example of our values in action. It's also an action item identified on our combating anti-black racism action plan. Um, and so a little bit of the impetus behind this is 62% of food security, of food insecure people are employed. So as you mentioned, it's a big problem in our sector. Like the people who are food insecure are not all people who are unemployed or not working. Um, if it were, that would be fine too, and we should still work to reduce it. But over half of the people who are food insecure are employed. These are folks working hard at paid jobs who still can't make ends meet. And in the city of Toronto, 13% of the population experiences food insecurity. That is not insignificant. Um, and we know that that number jumps to 27% for folks from racialized communities. We know that nearly 50% of black children live in low-income households compared to 9% of non-racialized kids. And paying people a living wage helps to combat st statistics like those. In Toronto, the living wage is $22.08 per hour. Uh, so we don't pay anyone below living wage. Uh, no, in fact, no employee at FoodShare earns less than $24 an hour. Um, and sort of another policy that helps, that, that works with that is that we ensure that the highest paid employee is not paid more than three times what the lowest paid employee earns. So something like that, you know, it increases how equitable we are as an organization, but it also helps to enable paying people more at the lower end of the pay scale. You know, people say, where does the money come from? Well, how much does your highest paid employee make? 
that might be a good place to start. Um, we offer equal pay for equal work, and therefore we don't negotiate on pay or benefits. Um, we have a publicly available pay grid. So what that means is we include the pay, benefits, and the selection process in all of our job postings. And even when a job isn't available, you can look at our pay grid online and know what a job would make. Um, and this makes it so people know in advance whether it's worth their time to apply for a job at FoodShare. You know, people don't, the, the expression, we hear the expression time is money. And, and I think for a lot of people, that's really true. People have to take time off to go to interviews. People have to pay for childcare to go to interviews. People have to make really tough decisions about how they spend their time. Um, and that has an economic impact. And so we really want to honor people's time. You know, we talked about the policy of paying people to attend interviews so they can afford to take time off of work, arrange childcare, access transportation, and just have their labor compensated. Um, but pay equity uh, and, and pub pay transparency, it also addresses the wage gap. We know that women and people of color make less. Um, and by, by setting uh, salaries in advance, by setting benefits and not negotiating, we help to address that. How is it, that's incredible, how has it been received by your team, by the community, all these different changes you've done? I mean, nobody's mad when we increased their salaries. We got no <laughs> negative pushback from that. Um, yeah, I know. Um, there was a lot of publicity around the interview pay policy, which came recently. So that's, we provide an honorarium to anyone who interviews at FoodShare. Um, like I said, to compensate for the time, to compensate for the labor. Um, another piece around that is that we also, if, if someone's asked to do an assignment or prepare a presentation as part of an interview, that is also compensated separately. Um, and we make a promise to people that we won't use their ideas from those if they're not hired for the job. I think, you know, these days you hear about people doing second, third, fourth, fifth round interviews with projects and presentations, and then they see their ideas used by the company, but the company didn't even respond to them after the interview. Um, so that's about more than just financial compensation, that's also just respect and dignity. Um, and so we wanna make sure that we address those, you know, things fall through the cracks, sometimes people don't get an email back when they should, um, and we wanna build in redundancies that help to make sure people feel compensated, respected, and dignified when they interact with us. Wow. Well, you know, right now, I think uh, in many ways, food share is, is really, really unique in all the different things it's doing. The hope for the future is you're not so unique and not to take anything away from you, but I hope that this sector could learn and, and, and you know, copy and improve and do because we all should be doing these things that FoodShare has implemented. Uh, one of the reasons we're having you on today is to tell, hey, th this is uh, this is how you do it, and this is uh, some this is true innovation. We have to start thinking of our teams as well as the clients we support as well if we're going to be strong in this sector. If people want to find out more about the work that FoodShare is doing, all these amazing best practices, I think they're best practices, innovations. Where do they go? 
Where can they reach so out to So our website is foodshare.net. You can reach out to us at info at foodshare.net. You can find us on social media at, at foodshareto. Um, and I'm with you. We don't want to be unique. So we post a lot of what we're doing out there. We make it available. Um, if you have questions, you know, follow us and, and let us know. Very cool. Well, Ellery, thank you so much for all you and Foodshare are doing, uh, for teaching us, uh, for being innovative, for thinking differently and not being afraid to push boundaries on things. That's what's needed to make change happen. Thank you so much Absolutely. for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Wow. I, I hope lots of people listen to this podcast um, and really learn from the innovative work that Foodshare is doing. We've got to take care of our teams. I mean, the, the work that many are doing in this sector is tough, tough work. Uh, and they need our support. And all those things Ellery was talking about, a living wage and all those different benefits and pieces of, and, uh, about equity. And it starts with equity, as she said, right? Let's learn from that. Let's duplicate that. I will guarantee you everyone will benefit. Uh, I benefited so much from this podcast, listening to Ellery. Um, and all the learnings from uh, what she's, her and the team have done at FoodShare. I hope you will too, and we'll see you next time. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.